You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Well, we're in for another surprise here. Rick is still in Jamaica. I think that's where he is. Maybe I'm not supposed to say he's in Jamaica, an exotic place, but I think that's where he is on vacation. Um, and so he's asked me to fill in, as I do from time to time. My name is Paul Roberts, and I'm normally just the uh, engineer and producer of the show. But today, I have the privilege to uh, to uh, be the host as well. And boy, what a show we have lined up for you today. For those of you that haven't heard the show before, I'll just remind you that Rick is a big, big believer in the power of peer learning. He always thinks that by bringing businesses in, in here, you can learn from their experiences, and maybe avoid some of the pitfalls and mistakes they've made, or learn what's going on in the county here and get a better understanding of the community that you live in. So that's really the purpose of this show. Rick uh, himself puts on uh, CEO peer groups uh, throughout the county, brings people together, mastermind groups, and helps uh, create facilitated roundtables that help people take their business to the next level, create critical mass within their business, thereby the name of the show. So today we're going to talk about uh, creating critical mass in a uh, in an organization that I just don't think people understand how big this organization is and how many different facets it is. I'm talking about the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and we've had the uh, sheriff herself in here several times on, the, on our public policy show and on some of our other shows. Today we're privileged to have with us Don Barnes, uh, who was appointed as the undersheriff with dreams of making sure the sheriff's visions are fulfilled. We'll, we'll uh, flush that out a little bit here today. And he joins us in studio to discuss the current updates of the sheriff's department, along with an update on their great escape program, which we talked about the last time. So, Don, welcome to the show here. Thank you for having me. What does that mean, uh, f- making sure the sheriff's visions are fulfilled? That sounds uh, mysterious here. Uh, flesh that out for us here. Well, it's not as mysterious as it may sound. Uh, obviously, when you're the chief executive of an organization, you want to make sure that you have a mission, a vision, and goals and objectives and how you're going to fulfill that. So I liken it to an aircraft carrier, which you have to get everybody on board, uh, spool up the engines, put on a rudder, get it pointed in a direction with common purpose, and make sure everybody's bought in to the sheriff's vision of what she hopes to accomplish. And uh, like you said, we are a very large and very diverse organization of the services we do provide. I'm not sure that many residents of the county understand how large the Give us some is. sense of it. When the sheriff was in on one of our shows, she talked about, I forgot how many thousands of employees. This is a huge, this isn't just a big police department. This is a massive, multi-million dollar organization. Give us some sense of how big and how many people and what your budgets are. Lay it out for us here. Well, we have uh, currently 3,600 employees, and as a law enforcement agency, it sounds like a lot, but actually more than half of our employees are not sworn peace officers Hmm. because we are very diverse in the various uh, assignments we have and programs that we have. We currently have 200 vacancies, so we're budgeted for 3,800 positions. And I'll cover vacancies a little bit later and hopefully get some people that might be able to give us some some help with filling some Well, I'm going to hit you up for my daughter because she's dreamed of joining the Sheriff's Department here for a number of years. And so we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as well, offline or whatever. But, yeah, give us some idea. What uh, Give us a range of what the functions do. We think of the police functions. I didn't realize the jails. I didn't realize the mounted patrols and the harbors and all the other stuff. I didn't even realize that you guys act as the coroner here for Orange County, so maybe I've covered them all, but there's so many things you guys do. You cover some of them, but not all of them. We have four commands within the Sheriff's Department, and that would be field operations investigations, 
custody operations, our administrative services, and professional services commands, and those have 24 divisions. And like you said, we do have the coroner's office. We have the Orange County Crime Lab that we also uh, put in. We actually patrol through direct patrol services that most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Where either cities have, con- rather than have their own local police departments, they've contracted with the Sheriff's Department. There's, what, 34 cities in the county? How many of them contract with you guys? Here? 13 of the 34 contract for police services with the Sheriff's Department. And we also cover all the unincorporated areas. And we actually patrol through direct patrol services to approximately 700,000 residents of the 3 million in Orange County. Wow. And we also have all three of the harbors. John Wayne Airport is patrolled by us. Airport, I forgot that one. Right. We have several SWAT teams, helicopters, search and rescue. Uh, The bomb squad uh, has a countywide presence. Any jurisdiction you live in, if there is a hazardous device, our bomb squad responds and takes care of that and safes that device. And that's the same thing for the uh, coroner's office, right? Because the local cities don't have coroners to determine if it's a homicide or accidental death or whatever. Well, the coroners work with uh, municipal agencies as well. So the the coroner's office is a countywide presence. But if there were a homicide in a jurisdiction other than the sheriff's department, homicide detectives from that municipality would conduct the the criminal investigation. Mm -hmm. We would do the uh, coroner autopsy and forensics well, my life wife off. loves to watch csi you do the criminal science investigation or criminal scene investigation or whatever it stands for it's very much like that but we can't always solve them in 48 minutes unfortunately. <laughs> oh boy yeah really i wonder how long it really does take to do these things so all of those functions fall under the sheriff and the one that really shocked me talk about the size of the jail system we're the fifth or sixth largest county in america I it's think. approximately the sixth largest uh, in the nation it's a very large system we have five main jail facilities that we operate we also have the court system the court system is oh, equally yeah, as right, large right. on a, nat- a nationwide platform our jails uh, currently have about 6,200 uh, inmates, not wow. all county inmates. We do have a contract with Immigration and Customs Enforcement to mm. house some of their detainees. Okay, didn't and know that. And through AB 109 state realignment, we have uh, locally um, housed state prison inmates. And let's talk about that, because we talked about that on our public policy show, The City Square, a number of times. But in this show, people may not be aware that at the state level, uh, Governor Brown, uh, I guess the state was sued, right, because they were overcrowding jails according to what they were set up to do. And as a settlement and because of lack of budget, the governor basically said, we're going to send a lot of lower-level detainees down to the county level. Have I got that correct? Yes, the state was sued. It was significantly over their statewide prison population cap. Uh, they have since been brought down to just about below that cap okay. that is uh, considered what they can safely operate, the state prison system. Part of that we call it the three nons, non-violent, non-sexual, uh, non um, I can't remember the last non. <laughs> I I right, yeah, right. But they're not particularly these aren't the, they're these not aren't the, the worst. worst yeah, no, right. they're not the worst. Non-sex is the last one, non-sexual offenders. Right. And um, they're not considered to be the worst of the state prison population, but they do come to us for a long term by definition when you are housed previously housed to a county jail you would serve up to one year in a county jail and if it's over a year you go to state prison exactly this was not long-term housing of prisoners up until this no it was never designed to be long-term housing of prisoners and by default with the shift uh, realignment we are taking on state prison inmates for much longer term and currently we have approximately 740 state prison inmates who are housed in orange county on on a 
longer term basis wow. than we normally would house them. So how many? How did that affect your population after that bill? After they had to start putting, they wouldn't send them to uh, state facilities. They'd keep them in the counties longer, as you said, these lower level offenses. But they're still staying beyond a year now here. What did that do to your population? Well, it's a much more sophisticated inmate and prisoner than we normally would have because the prisoners, the prisons would normally house those individuals. Right. We have them back now. It changed the dynamics of our, our jail population. We have uh, inmate-on-inmate violence has increased. Uh, inmate-on-staff uh, incidents have increased. And just the size of the population. Give me some sense. Did it double? Did it one and a half? You must have increased dramatically the number of prisoners you're holding now here. It, you would think that would be true, but actually it's it's actually in a pop. We have room for growth. I hate to use that. that <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but there's, the no vacancy sign is not on. And that actually created some opportunities for us that we could accommodate this population. But our, our population is increasing up. It's gone up. Uh, several hundred since last year, and we anticipated it would still go up. And then, of course, we have Prop 47, which impacted our jail population as well. And what was Prop 47? That one I don't recall. Prop 47 in November two years ago, uh, 14, changed or uh, redefined the penalties for certain violations oh, of that's crime. Right, that's uh, right. Mostly drug offenses and property crime offenses, reducing them down from felonies to misdemeanors. Right. And that requires so there weren't three strike offenses anymore, and therefore mandated sentences and longer jail terms. Well, what it did was it changed those that would normally be sentenced to state prison to be housed in local facilities, mm-hmm. and it also changed uh, the way they are processed. Normally, they'd be taken to jail, booked in, and and stay there. Now these misdemeanor offenses require them to be cited and released in the field rather than taken to Orange County Jail. So it's a little change in the dynamic when we normally take somebody who committed a crime off the streets and hold them in jail potentially until they went to court now they remain free uh, on the streets which is you know may impact crime at the local level gotcha yeah that was very controversial but it was done i guess basically because we're just bursting at the seams statewide it is I mean, maybe part of it was for other reasons, but I think part of it was just for economics, right? Well, it was billed as a Safe Schools and Communities Act is the line of the proposition that it was brought forth on. Um, there were some things that were asserted that it would do as far as reducing uh, the state prison population. Cost savings would take place. I'm not sure if those have manifested or not. Yeah. Uh, although we can't attribute crime directly to it because we're still analyzing the impacts of Prop 47, we do know that property crime has ticked up a little bit, but it was at all-time lows. So we are doing some analysis to see what we can learn from that, and if there are things that are actionable, we will most definitely... Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk more about the most innovative program I've ever heard. I don't know if this is done anywhere else in Orange County. We'll find out, but they have a program called The Great Escape, and it's a way to finally keep, uh, as they say, recidivism down, the return rate of prisoners, and get some of these people to stop just being in a revolving door and get out and come back again here. We're going to do all that more when we come back with the Orange County Undersheriff, Don Barnes, right after a word from our sponsors. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. 
If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. All right, we're back. We're talking with the undersheriff of Orange County, Don Barnes. What is an undersheriff? Is that just a fancy word for like, you're sort of like the VP of the company here? And uh, what does the undersheriff do? Well, the undersheriff, uh, I guess in simplest terms, would be the chief operating officer of the organization. It's number two below the sheriff. There's only one. We have an organizational structure that you know, obviously builds through the agency based on roles and responsibilities of all the different positions within the organization. And what's your budget? I mean, I mean, is that public? That must be public knowledge here. Is it, uh, it is, and it was just passed today, so we're uh, oh, luckily... just passed today. Good, good, <laughs> good we timing here. Just yeah. before the beginning of July. Um, our budget is roughly $800 million total for the organization. Wow. And that encompasses many different facets of of county uh, function between, as I mentioned before, the coroner's office, our communications division that does all the radios throughout Orange County for all police mm-hmm. and public safety agencies. We had somebody, and I'm trying to look for her card here, who ran the, isn't there like an emergency response center or something? It's a, I would tell you her name. Her name is Donna Boston. She's That's our it. emergency manager. She was fascinating. I didn't know that, it's, I forgot where it's, maybe it's, I don't know if it's a secret, but it was it's somewhere up where the 241 and the, and the 261 intersect. The 261, 241 come together. If you look up on the hill to the south, you'll see a radio t- uh, tower array, mm-hmm. and that's where the facility is. It's our emergency operations center for the county of Orange. Yeah, and should there built- be an earthquake? Should there be some sort of horrible thing that, it re- that everybody has to have a command center to uh, coordinate all the stuff? It's there. It's staffed. It's ready to go all the time. Here. It is 24-7. Yeah, amazing. So, how did you get into this position? Have you been a share? It says you're a 27-year veteran, so I'm assuming you started off did they say working a beat or riding in a car? What, where did well, you start? Just about every assignment that's new in our organization that has a uh, either a sworn or professional staff nexus starts in our jails or our courts. That's and right. That's like right. many of us, that. I started in the jail, and it becomes kind of our circle of life as we promote and head back to the jail. But I started in the jail, and I actually, I actually liked that assignment. I liked it for the camaraderie of the people I worked with, and I actually liked the opportunity to interact with uh, the people who were housed there for violations. Hmm. And I say that because I've met some of the nicest people who are inmates in the Orange County Jail. And uh, to be able to converse with them and kind of hone that skill of how to communicate well, which I think is the paramount trait that we're looking for in everything we do. So how did this great escape program come about? Tell us what it is, how long it's been in place, and what does it do? Well, the great escape program actually started uh, in, in a different format more than two decades ago, and it's kind of been morphed over time. And the most recent iteration of it is really this nexus between in-custody services that we bring to individuals through a variety of programs, be it parenting skills, drug uh, treatment uh, programs, uh, basic educational components, uh, DV courses if they have problems in, in dealing, communicating with others, 
all those types of things uh, that we can provide to them to help prepare them for handling their issues, and then when they get near release, marrying them up with out-of-custody programs that really build them towards a success. Keep them from coming back. That's the point. As they say, a word I don't know that it's used anywhere except in law enforcement, recidivism, the rate at which they return. Yes, and uh, you know we're, we're a very unique profession, and it's very odd for us. And oftentimes when we take somebody into custody, and it's hard for people to realize this, many times we're saving them from themselves based yeah. on some of the acts that they're doing. But we do have, and we share an obligation. This is one of the sheriff's vision. We do have an obligation to do everything we can to make sure these, these individuals don't return our custody, and then we do that by setting them up for success. What is the recidivism rate in Orange County, and how does that compare nationwide? Give us some idea. You know, I can't give you an exact number on the recidivism rate because there's so many different factors that go into it, and, and it's it, when you, especially when you look at a local issue, some of these individuals may uh, reoffend in a different county and be mm-hmm. arrested That's there. True. Some from other counties track, come yeah. here. It's very hard to track, but we do. We just hi- made one of the best hires that we just did with a staff. A, st- a statistician, I'm going to call it what it is, right. not the title, but they are looking at this uh, data that we have. Yeah, because everybody's wondering, hey, you know, can you really rehabilitate some of these people? And, and I don't say that in a cruel, heartless sense, uh, like they're just doomed to repeat over and over again, or they don't you know, know how to change or want to change or whatever. But the sheriff made a very interesting point that I never forgot when she was here. And she said, you know, as much if, if, if she said, if you or I went into, God forbid, were arrested, That'd be the last thing I'd ever do is go back there again. I mean, I would do everything to straighten up, fly right, never have to go through that horrible thing again. But she said, for some of these people, you know, it ain't that bad. Uh, they're homeless. They're being beaten up. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's all they know. We had uh, we do a show on. Uh, grief counseling here and the grief counselor brought in a, a mother and a son and he was just a habitual drug user and he said it, it's just all i knew well there's several things that you mentioned that i think are key first is um we do have this these repeat offenders that do come in many of them are mentally ill mm-hmm. and that's a different issue entirely yeah, clearly right. because it's really not fair to the mentally ill population the orange county jail system is the largest mental health provider in the county wow up to 25% of our inmates may have some type of mental health sure. issue that they're dealing with, and it puts tremendous burden on the jail system to be the sole source provider for those. But if you take that element out, we do have those repeat offenders that will come in for drug issues or whatever it might be. And you're right, sometimes it's not. Uh, some people don't mind being in jail. It's, there's no other way to put it. That's it's what they know. It's, it's what, what they're they... comfortable with. It, it gets them off the streets. It gets them out of an abuse of they're being beaten up or some horrible thing's happening. And in some sense, it's better than where they were. It is. But what we have, the I think, the goal of creating every opportunity for them to be successful outside of our custody. And we do that by partnering with these outside entities that can provide services beyond what we do are marrying them up with a continuation of services outside of custody, educational components, vocational components. So how does it work? How do you get them to escape from this like life of uh, incarceration? How do you get them to escape from this pattern of behavior here? Is it Where does it start? I can't even imagine how you unravel this. you got to get them off drugs if they're doing that. you got to deal with mental issues if they have that you've got to deal with family backgrounds you've got to deal with long set patterns and and uh, lack of education and lack of belief that they can change or whatever well you start by first you have to deal with the issues and getting them stabilized if they need stability within the custodial facility mm-hmm. and then you start introducing them to the programs that we the programs available within the orange county jail and they're all the ones i mentioned before 
uh, prior to being released, we have uh, individuals, workers within the jail that are available to them if they have a desire to participate in the Great Escape Program. And does anybody, can anybody just go into it? Can they say, I want to try it, or do you have to somehow meet some qualification? Do you pick who gets to go into the program? Well, there's a limited number, but it's we still have enough capacity to to. to Partic- anybody who wants to participate in it can. And we have a pretty good turnout. About roughly 100 uh, individuals a month are participating. And more importantly, in the Great Escape Resource Center, they're seeing about 170 individuals a month outside. That's that out-of-custody mm-hmm. nexus that gets them into the services that will help set them up for success. So we have some pretty active and engaged individuals to get out that want to you know, improve their 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 lifestyle um, the contribution they make and really, you know, do a better job. Well, it certainly gives them a chance to to escape from this life that uh, they seem condemned to repeat over and over again. When I was in college 100 years ago, back (laughs) east at the University of Michigan, wearing my Michigan shirt today, um, I just as kind of a lark took a class. I thought it would be an easy class, I guess, and I took it, and there was a, a state prison nearby. And we would go and, you know, try and work with kids. We were college kids, and we were sort of trying to mentor them. And the one thing they told us, which I never forgot, it actually was a very life-changing course for me. I I can remember the kids and their faces and everything here, was that they tried to use positive reinforcement and and peer pressure. Rick's real big on, the host of the show normally is big on positive peer reinforcement, learning from others. So they put them in peer groups, and if you failed, everybody in the peer group had to suffer, or if you succeed, everybody, they tried to create this peer environment. I said, but it only works so long. As soon as they get out, they go right back to the bad peer environment, and they immediately fall into the patterns and the and the temptations and the problems and the friends that got them there in the first place. And that's, I think, the goal of the program that we have is to get them the resources to help them be successful before they start to collapse back into either drug use yeah. or a pattern of crime and hopefully set them up to where they can, you know, not reoffend and not come back because it's really the ultimate goal. Is this a program that was patterned on something else? Is this something you guys innovated and came up with? Where did this idea come from? Conceptually, uh, over two decades ago, the original concept, I think, was uniquely ours. There's really, at this point, when we're looking really at reentry programs more than just being punitive and incarceration, yeah, right. there's a, a lot of agencies across the nation come up with really good best practices. And, and most importantly, we're willing to share all those across borders and geography to make sure that if there's something that's working, there's we want to share it. Yeah. There's really nothing new in law enforcement. Everything's been tried and in some instances failed and in some instances been successful. It's, it's the shared success that we have to not make uh, proprietary and share amongst our peers so we can all do better because crime is it's transitory it doesn't know geographic yeah. borders it goes from county to county state to state and we can't just lock up everybody forever we can't afford that either nor would we want to do that and and you can't keep these people incarcerated forever so sooner or later they're going to come back out and if we have haven't if they've gotten hardened or worse we've got a big, bigger problem here somehow and that's true, and we have to make sure that we deal with that issue as well. Sometimes we put people in the jail system, they get educated on how to be better criminals. <laughs> they always say, I, I didn't want to be that blunt about it, but it's almost like a finishing school sometimes. You know, they it's, learn from other criminals. Sometimes it can be, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right, well, I applaud you and your efforts to do this. You want to give away some websites and some other things here. Where, how do people learn about the many functions of the sheriff, and how do they learn? I, I, I particularly like to know for my own daughter's sake, but for other people's sake, what kind of positions are you looking for for these days? Who are you hiring? In? Well, we're hiring uh, very uh, 
obviously deputy sheriffs and correctional services assistants are the two uh, main categories, but we have a lot of other positions within the sheriff's department, plumbers, electricians, hmm. you name it, everything. It's, it's a little, it's a microcosm of society and it operates like a little city. So everything that makes it run, uh, we have a need for. You can learn about the Orange County Sheriff's Department by visiting our main website, which is www.ocsd, that's orangecountysheriffsdepartment.org. If you go on there, you'll, the first thing you'll see pop up is a women's fitness challenge that's coming up in July. Hmm. We do have a need for women in law enforcement, and we're not, uh, that's, we're not exempt from that. We're looking for a few good women to come try us out and see if they could become part of our... Is it hard to get our... women? Because you traditionally think of this as a man's uh, thing, but you've got a huge female population, and you want to have diversity, and you want to have people who speak other languages. I've heard that it's hard to even recruit other ethnicities, Vietnamese and other sorts of groups, into the police departments these days. That's absolutely correct. And I think if you looked at the demographics, we'd like to have a better representation of women within our agency. We're, we're moving it up. Our goals are to move it to 15%, to 20%, to 25%, and keep on moving that up. Congratulations. And so it's a better yeah. representation of the community we serve. And we most definitely have a need for Hispanic uh, men or women, mm-hmm. and it, the Asian population we'd yeah. like to see increased as well. Well, this has got to be one of the few counties that has a female sheriff. I don't know why that is so unusual in this modern era here, uh, but are there a lot of other female sheriffs in, in big counties around the country? There are a few, and uh, it's it's not as rare as you think, but it's not representative of the general population. General population. Yeah, but I right. don't. I qualify it as we have a great sheriff who happens to be a woman. I... I Absolutely thought she was fantastic, and I thought she was so open and honest and real, you know, and uh, the couple times she graced us with her presence here. So, all right, uh, anything in particular as we wind up here, uh, what would you want people, what's the takeaway? What do you want people to know about the Sheriff's Department? When I think of police, I guess I'm an old you know, scared Irish Catholic kid. I just want to stay away from jails and prisons and people and hope I never interface with the police department. But that's probably a bad idea, too, here. You know, it that, does that, take a community to help work this stuff together here. It does. There is a partnership with the community that makes us work. I mean, any, at any given moment, we can be overrun by the population because there's a lot fewer of us than there are yeah. of the population. We need them to join with us and help keeping our community safe. But I'll tell you the one thing that I really stress with our folks, and I think we do a fanta- fantastic job, is we are a service-based industry. Uh, Law enforcement is a service we provide, but we also have to have more of a customer service-oriented policing style. Hmm. And that becomes uh, becoming inclusive, not exclusive. We are very transparent in the Sheriff's Department. Uh, We have several programs. One of them um, is a... uh, an academy, a Citizens Academy, if you can learn about that on our website, if you want to learn more about a the Citizens Academy, okay. Yes, it's an eight-week academy. You learn about the different things. I guarantee if you have an interest in you'll learn more about things you never knew that we did uh, if you wanted to participate oh, in that. Oh, that would be fascinating. I'd love to have uh, somebody come back and talk about that in greater detail because I think, again, this is mostly business shows and therefore a business audience. And I sometimes think that the police department and, and, and other government agencies do so much work, but it's kind of invisible to most of us. You know, we're, we don't see what, what's happening out there. What's well, the one uh, facet of government that we don't, we hope that we don't need, <laughs> yeah, right, but on exactly. average, one or two people in their lifetime will have a, an encounter with law enforcement. And pr- normally not a positive one, being the victim of a crime or, or maybe getting a speeding ticket. Yeah, right. My hope is to balance that with, you know, five or ten great experiences with the sheriff's department that not aren't negative based to where they can see the great people we have working for us and i will tell you i, I don't have to say this but i'll say it because i truly believe it 
I think for anybody who's lived in Orange County, I won't go into great detail, but obviously there were some darker days for the Sheriff's Department here um, uh, not that long ago. And uh, lots of controversy, lots of people upset, lots of things happening. And I think since Sheriff Hutchins has come in and you guys and the whole staff that's there now, the general impression I get, people have a very positive impression of what you guys are doing. They feel very comfortable, confident, and I, I mean, I just hear good things about it all the time. And based on this interview and others I've done with people like Donna Boston and and the sheriff herself, I see why. I think you guys are really working hard to to uh, change the image and, and have changed the image of the sheriff's department in Thank a positive you. way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I really believe it. I think so. All right. Well, uh, give us the websites again and anything else you want to share, and then we'll wrap up here. Two websites. The main website is www.ocsd.org, and our specific recruiting website is www.joinocsd.org. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and I hope you'll uh, keep sending other people over about different departments here. I'd love to know some of the more obscure. I know you do some really kind of cool things, mounted uh, divisions and out in the things, and I and I guess you guys do a lot with uh, terrorism task forces and other sorts of things, things I wouldn't think of necessarily here in Orange County. Yes, but. we have uh, a terrorism fusion center that operates within Orange County that is a clearinghouse for intelligence uh, to help keep Orange County residents and businesses safe. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. All right, we're going to be back with more and our next guest right after some words from our sponsors. Wow. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability... Your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority, contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Hey, did you know that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. 
You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. Hey, did you know that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me, and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 